0: Called... It was an, inject- an injection medicine that was used for hemophilia. Mostly children. Children had been born with an. Hold on, hold thing. on, Mike. So hold on, hold on. So you're yeah. telling me that Bear knew that this drug was infected with the AIDS virus. At- they yanked it from the market in America, and then they dumped it in markets overseas. They had to figure out a way, Joe, to make a profit on a product that they could not sell in America. They were just grabbing indigenous people walked the
1: street and throwing
0: them in front of the radar beam. Let's see what
2: happens. It's a, sort of like a, a dream state. What should Americans do? What can Americans do? Very good questions. What can they do? Well, what they could do is educate themselves. Educate themselves. Thomas Jefferson said at best, didn't he? That an educated citizen Is how you make it happen. I know of no safer depositor of the ultimate powers of society but the people themselves. We, the people, are the most powerful. We have the power. And if we think them not enlightened enough to exercise their control with wholesome discretion, freedom of choice, translation, and if we think they're too dumb to do it the right way and choose their own way, the remedy is not to take the power away from them. Well, he says the remedy is not to take it from them, but to inform them their discretion by education. So the remedy is not to take the power away from them, but educate them. That's what Thomas Jefferson said. So in today's English, no one is a safe, no other institution is safer than to hold all power of our society and our nation, than the institution of the people, the people. And if we think they're too stupid to exercise their free will and create a society that is good, then to fix that, we don't take away the power for the people and pick their own leaders and tell them what to do and hijack their minds. What we do is we educate them. That's in Thomas Jefferson's words, this is the true corrective of abuses of constitutional power. This is how we make sure that we don't abuse any constitutional power. So, uh, in other words, we the people are the most important, and therefore things want to sit with us. Now, today I have to admit, it was a really insane day. I don't really want to talk about it, but I feel kind of bad because I did something uh, that I hadn't done in a long time. Just to see what was going on. And I feel bad about that. Right? But it was pretty bad and I'm not going to tell you guys because I know you guys listen and I don't want any extraordinary things happening. So I'll keep it to myself. Okay? Um but I can say God is it's totally by everything. Because if this morning Phoebe's school wasn't shut down with the water break, it could have gone a whole different direction. It was so weird. I turn up at the school and there's no one there. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Right? What is going on here? And I'm looking at Phoebe. Is it like a day off of school? She's like, no, there's not. <clears throat> Apparently the school tweeted I'm not on Twitter, so you know I don't see anything that goes on on Twitter because I'm not on there. <laughs> As I, I'm free game there. People can play and talk shit where I can't see it. <laughs> According to her school too. <laughs> so they put out a tweet. They didn't call. They sent an email like a couple hours later, like 10, 11 o'clock. But apparently there was a water main breakage, and now there's a boil order, boil water order in my area. Nobody drink the water. Something happened. Thank God my child was with me today. And uh, that is all I have to say. And it has nothing to do with the water break. But after the disaster uh, had passed, you know, I feel horrible. And I've confessed to only one person of something that I did uh, using tools that I shouldn't use. <laughs> I am, and I am so upset. It makes me mad. It makes me mad that society is so disgusting. It makes me mad. <laughs> it makes me mad. I'm seeing everyone split into corners in the far corners of the earth. Yet again, this is why people in power, people that have power, right? Um take away from the people power to do things because they're fucking stupid. They fall into little pockets and it's not their fault. Again, it's about education, 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 education. Because I see a lot of that stuff, you know? I see a lot of that stuff online, Uh, you know? I see a a lot of people falling into pockets and I'm like, damn, why are you talking about this right now? Like, seriously though, okay? Coronavirus, we all know it's bullshit. Let's talk about that a little bit more today. We need to talk about AIDS, okay? (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, but we all know it's bullshit. We all know that the vaccine isn't what they tell you because it's not even a vaccine, it's gene therapy, right? So it's like, you know, what is it that everyone keeps falling in these pockets, you know? People that you thought were fighting for the oh, I'm only here for the truth, are are hating on President Trump, are now white supremacists, anti-Israeli, right? Oh, you didn't see it. Trump is the Antichrist. I'm here to save you and you're unsavable. You're a peon. Wait, no, you're a worm, right? You can't do anything about it. Well, I can tell you now that uh, all day today, I've been praying, Praying for a lot of people that have been working really, really hard for solution. And, you know, earlier this evening, just as I was heading out, um, you know, to, to, to get in so that I can do the show, you know, a, a fantastic attorney calls me, one of my fantastic attorneys, right? And says, well, pops an idea. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why not? I mean, what the heck? It's still, we're still waiting for someone to come save us, people. Are you waiting for someone to come and save you? Because <laughs> no one is, right? No one's gonna come and save you. We've been saving ourselves. The stickers, we did that. The uh lawsuits, we did that. The you know, lawsuits that you see now in the Fifth and Sixth Circuit, you did that. The school board, you did that. You did it so hard <laughs> that they wanted to create a whole squad at the FBI to shut you up. You did that. Wasn't any personality or anybody that owns companies or, in, or or shows or freaking television sets. It's freaking you. It's you. You harness all that power. So I think we need to like figure out how to harness it and direct it like an energy weapon somewhere else. I think that would be great. Now, before we get into details and more details and more details about this fantastic manufactured virus, which you heard rumors it came from monkeys. And then you heard it came, oh, when they opened up King Tut's tomb, then you heard it was a gay thing, which would totally make sense that gay people had to have it more only because it gets cultivated in the gut and, you know, Gay men have the same type of sex as where lawyers come from. No offense to my nice lawyers. Where do you think the lawyers come from? So anyway, uh, so we're going to like touch base on things. We need to talk about victims, right? Personally, for me, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a heavy topic because, you know, most of you know that my family and I were victims, obviously not to the extent of my children, but uh, for me, but, um, we are. And, uh, you know, the, the suckiest part of it is, you know, what do you do when you're a victim? Right. Let's just sit and think about it. Either, you know, you've been, you know, uh, a woman working and your boss harasses you, a man working and your woman boss harasses you, or you're, um, you know, just someone that gets jumped or, you know, raped or violated or done wrong, right? You're a victim. So then you have choices, right? Choices. One, you just, I'm a victim. Everybody I just tried to do the right thing Uh," and kicking the rock. And you're like, I'm a victim. And then you cry. Maybe you like color your hair blue, you know, cry in the corner, ask people for pity, Right. Of course, pity, 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 pity. And you do nothing. And then what you do is you you write your pity party, you know, on a blog, like some people do. and Look at my pity party. Come join my pity party. Pay me $5.99 as you come in and see. Come join my pity party. Right. And then, you know, others make a movie out of their pity parties. We've seen that. Right? And then others, you know, write books about their pity parties. We've seen that. The pity parties, not the victim story, the pity parties. Then you have victims that have a story to tell, but they use that story to empower other people, not tell people you're fucked. It's like, look, I overcame this. Here's how you do it, right? And I'm going to wear my, you know, whatever happened to me on my freaking chest as a badge, and I'm going to show you how you can overcome it, right? And then there's the super victim uh, you know, that's going to break at the age of 70 or whatever, where they're just like, yeah, what? Oh, you said I got beat up. Yeah. I don't remember that. And they just harbor it and harbor it. And they're totally fine until their end of days. And then they kind of have a nervous breakdown because they're just like, I never healed from that. Right. So there's a lot of victims, (laughs) right? Lots of victims. And then there's victims that pretend they're victims and then they cry that they're victims so let's see one of those victims because those are very rare right it's like um it's like a rare easter egg in a video game you don't get to see this shit often so and on tv so let's go let's see what that french actor juicy smoulier had to say
3: hard to to cringe cringe as much as as you cringe when you think think about this story i mean it's it's an epic cringe it's one of the best cringes ever In the days following this, there were no apologies or any retractions from the Democrats or anybody that threw out all this sympathy and, of course, bashed Donald Trump and all of his supporters endlessly. No mention of the fact that Smollett shamefully betrayed his country, stirred up racism, stirred up homophobia for his own personal gain. Nothing. Everybody just went quiet. Now, unlike other recent high-profile trials, of course, just to piss me off, cameras are not being allowed inside this courtroom and the proceedings are not being live-streamed. And I wanted to watch every minute of this thing. If convicted on the class four felony charges, Smollett could face up to three years in jail. And joining us now is Shamika Michelle, an author and CEO of Naked Girls. It's a group that empowers women to remove the masks and live honestly. Shamika, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. First off, how insane is it that Justy Smollett walks into court with the sunglasses on? He's all proud, his head held up high, and he still says this happened.
4: You know, if we could give this trial a title, it should be Sending the Clowns, because this is a circus. When Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey decided to end, Jesse said, you thought that was the greatest show on earth? Hold my beer this is ridiculous you forgot the part where he said he fought both of the attackers off by himself Uh it sounded like something out of a comic book we could have called it black man and robbers except for when it came to men in tights sounds like he wears his in the house
3: i mean (laughs) you say that really well i mean just the the fact that he i mean I cannot fathom what it takes. And this is what actors do so well, right? I mean, they're just completely detached from reality in so many ways. To have all of this on you, to have everybody, everybody knows it's a lie now, and to still hold on to me is so true. Like, everybody knows it's a lie. It's like, you know,
2: they got the footage. They nabbed the people that he hired. They found the check. He paid them by check, not even cash. Check. And they also found the crayons. He wrote the stupid note to himself, right? It's almost as if you're claiming something and you're putting half ass stuff out. And then there's footage, days worth of security footage from a hotel <laughs> that shows everything, everything. And then you're just like, oh, I'm all about the truth. I'm going to stick to my truth. You know, and like she said, you know, his tidy whities are probably really tight right? Maybe he smokes a lot of weed because Jussie Smollett has lost his mind, lost his mind. I mean, hotels are really good at having footage and it's so easy to get it both outside, inside, indoors, outdoors. Oh, and when you're on diplomatic or secure floors, there's audio too. (laughs) Because you usually have like people like, you know, ambassadors stay there. And, you know, if you're a customer and you're like, Hey, I need this, you know, and you put in a request, you know, when you're, when you want to see something, Hey, I kind of think maybe someone stole something or, you know, I'm kind of curious about this. And you ask them for these things, right. You know, I don't know, like maybe like after before like Halloween or something and you get this footage, right? You get it. You kind of, you know, see the whole picture and you get hours of footage and then you piece it together and you're like, Oh, here's all the footage. Here's, you know, the pretend victim sitting outside of the hotel. Here's the pretend victim crying. Here's the pretend victim going up and down the hallway banging. I mean, damn, you know, so Jesse Smalley is like sticking to his story. <laughs> He's going to be like, Oh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I had penis surgery or something, or maybe my tidy whities are too tight or, you know, I have PTSD. Or my father was Russian, therefore white. So I have white privilege. I don't know what he's going to come up with. I'm just saying. Like, the thing is, how embarrassing does it have to get? Like this person, like you said, had his head up high, talking shit, right? Like, oh, I was a victim of my own crime that I paid for. Still a victim.
3: (laughs) It's just it's so so impressive. impressive. Smollett's defense attorney now claiming Smollett was a real victim of a real crime in a Chicago attack. They're still sticking to this. He told the jurors the Osandero brothers attacked him because they didn't like him and that the $3,500 check he paid them was for training sessions for an upcoming music video. It was not payment for staging a hate crime. I'm surprised that he didn't put hate crime at the bottom in the little note on the check, by the way. The Osandero brothers are both going to testify in this. They're the star witnesses for the prosecution. I suppose it'll be very interesting to hear what they have to say, don't you?
4: oh i can't wait to hear what what they have to say when jesse was crying on screen with robin roberts saying oh they're not going to find him well all they have to do is click in your phone just scroll through your contacts because they are right there everyone knows this is a lie and i'm not saying jesse needs to go to to prison for this but i do think that he should be humiliated and i do think that his time should be wasted like our time has been wasted and resources have been wasted on this foolishness
3: yeah i i don't i don't i mean i don't know what what prison i mean i think he needs to go to a psych ward personally i mean i think the kid's nuts uh to to still stick to this story is just unbelievable to me
2: Oh my God, this this juicy smoulier story is like hitting home for me, right? That's the thing. Like, what do you do? Do you throw them in jail for talking shit? Do you throw them in jail for being delusional and psychotic and crazy? Do you throw them in jail for lying? Because they're victims. They're such victims. You know, it's all about truth, but only their truth, right? Not the real truth, not the video of the alleged, you know, issues that happen, not you know the facts, right? Not the paper trail and the money, right? It's about their truth, and then it's like, you know what? <clears throat> For all these, uh, you know, alleged victims, we should have videos like this collated, right? He said, this,
5: "This MAGA country." country. <laughs> Punches Punched me right, in the, right face. in the face. And I see, I see the, uh, the attack attacker masked. Uh, and, and we, and ended, we up ended up tussling by, by the stairs. The stairs. Uh, fighting, fighting, fighting. There, fighting. There, there, was a, there was a second person, second person involved. I noticed, I noticed the, the rope, rope around, around my neck, neck. My neck. and I started screaming. screaming. I don't know what to say to that. that. Who, Who says, says, says f- empire, this is country.
6: Guys,
2: this guy is uh, interviewing himself. Let me start it over because it was echoing. See, this is the fun part. See, when you find a loser, you let the loser dig their grave. They start telling you, you know, just like he did. He was like, oh, let me sell you my story. Get me on Good Morning America. I would like, um, just, just buy my story. Pay me pay me so you can know my story because I'm righteous. Look at me. I'm crying. Hello. I'm, I'm, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm crying. Oh, look, my dad was Russian, you know, or here's a card from 50 years ago, even though I don't talk to that person anymore because they don't want to know who the fuck I am. Uh, you know, here, look at it. Look how nice I am. Look, look, uh, look what I sacrificed. Uh, and, and they put a noose around my neck. So then we make videos like this where, they interview each other. Himself. This is Juicy Smolier interviewing himself.
5: He said, he said this, "This MAGA, MAGA country, country punches, punches me right, in the, right in the face," and I and see the, the, the uh, attack hacker uh, uh, asked, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we and ended we up tussling by, by the stairs, stairs. Uh, uh, fighting, 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 fighting. There was, there was a, a, a second, second person dead. involved. I noticed, noticed there's the rope, rope around my, around neck, my neck and screaming. Screaming. I start screaming. I don't know how to say, to say that. that. Who, Who says, says empire, empire this missing country, country, country ties a noose around your neck and pours bleach on you. MAGA hat as the cherry on top of some racist Sunday. They called me a They called me a You know, it feels like It's bull. It's bull. The return address said in big red, you know, like caps. MAGA. Did I make that up too? Absolutely. You do such a disservice when you lie about things like this. It's bull. It's offensive. The fact that we have these fear mongrels, these people that are trying to separate us, and it's just not okay. It's just not okay. And that says a lot about the place that we are in our country right now. I'm sorry. Okay, we're getting somewhere.
2: Okay, we're getting somewhere. And I like people that, you know, sit there and they're victims. And you know why they're victims for something, you know, money, right? I helped create this, and then you went on and made a, became a millionaire, and I went to the homeless shelter, and you're not paying me money, so I'm going to destroy you. You know, stuff like that. Juicy Smolet has lost the plot completely. But we'll have videos like that where Juicy Smollier will be interviewing himself, explaining how he only told half the story and how he created the story himself. You know, like he wrote that letter with the MAGA. Did I write that too? Yes, you did. (laughs) You said you were a victim. You said something else. And then all this video is coming out, (laughs) like all this video, everything from outdoors to indoors to hallways (laughs) to everything with audio. I mean, it's so weird so fucking weird. And that's where the fun begins because, you know, a lot of these people like to make themselves heroes. But I'm a hero. I stood for black rights or, you know, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. It's just, you know, quicksand or swamp trying to swallow me, right? I stand by it. I'm totally a victim. Even though there's footage, right? Witnesses and audio that say completely different.
3: Um, um, your, your, your final, final thoughts, thoughts here on, on all of this, watching this, I mean, uh, it, it's got to be, it's, it's just got to be so frustrating to see. I mean, it's like, you know, to, to, to play this up for, only, for your own personal benefit, to play up a, a racial thing like this, it's got to aggravate you
7: it's it's
4: crazy and it does aggravate me because he should know better in 2021 in 2019 when he did it he shouldn't know better and i want all of the celebrities that sat around saying this is wrong
2: (laughs) this is so true all the celebrities that are like he's a celebrity okay he's a decorated celebrity totally starved, okay his term in hollywood So because he's decorated, he's honorable. Okay, yeah, we don't know. (laughs) You know, Dave Chappelle is not honorable. I don't care, you know, if he's decorated and he's, you know, served Hollywood, right? I'm more honorable than all those that have all the badges in the world because I said so, because I'm a victim, says Juicy. (laughs) Man... You know,
4: and crying and feeling like someone needed to come to his rescue. We need to find out each and every one of them, starting with uh, Joe Biden and and Kamala Harris, and ridicule them the same way they tried to ridicule Trump and Trump supporters a few years ago. They all need to pay, and and we need to have a good laugh at them during this circus.
3: They they have earned it. It's so foolish. They make the mistake time and time again. The Covington kids, they did it with written house. They're doing it on this one. I mean, they get it wrong so often. They get adamant. They get so angry and then they're totally wrong and they don't have the facts on their side. It's something else. Shamika Michelle.
2: I like Shamika Michelle. Yeah, that's so true, right? So angry, so righteous. Listen to me. I'm a victim. I don't care what the footage says. I don't care what the cameras say. You need to look at me. Look at me. I'm decorated, right? Okay, I'm Hollywood. Okay, I was a child actor. Right. And I served and I'm honorable. And all of these other people that aren't having my back are all losers because they won't talk about how I'm a victim, uh, you know, and oh, gosh, they're not decorated like me. Look, uh, I did Disney a long time ago. Here's a letter from my mom from 20 years ago telling me how much she misses me while I'm on TV. Oh. All right, Juicy. You know, some people are a little bit more honorable. You know, even the media is like, damn, we can't even do this to the guy. That's how much of a loser he is. You drop the footage and it's like, and you have him watch it. He'll probably freaking just off himself right there. <laughs> Cause it's like, ah, so they can't do that to him because people like that are psychotic. They're crazy. They need to be in a mental institution. Just like she said, Shamika said it perfectly. You can't throw him in jail. I mean, you should fine him for all the money that we spent, right. Or the money that we donated <laughs> for something that didn't happen. You could, but it's a waste of time. Just throw him in the fucking psych ward. That's where they need to be. Because when they do things like that, it's like, whatever. So she was right. People like that that refuse to see reality and see that they're they, they've lost their mind completely and they're just making shit up. And then they're sticking by the making shit up, even though there is actual evidence, you know. And then Juicy sitting there, uh, there's uh, verifiable evidence. Where's the verifiable evidence? <laughs> you mean like hotel camera footage? Is that what you're talking about, verifiable evidence? Because I'm pretty sure people like Juicy Smollett that were working on something like Empire and were, you know, probably on a diplomatic floor because someone huge gave the nod for Juicy to stay on that floor. That shit's recorded, monitored, and taped at all hours. Hence why cops usually don't go up there if you call to, right? Because they've got that shit down packed, right? So it's like, then what happens? Juicy, look. It's your fucking dance partner's. You paid them. You paid them. You lied. You lied. You lied. You lied. And you're sitting there and you're like, well, pay me for my story. I'm going to tell you my story. Pay me. Fucking juicy. Anyway, so there's that. That's a joke. That is a complete joke. Such a joke that so many people get busted and they stick by their stories. They stick by their stories. Um. Let's see. <sighs> let's play a little song while we pull up James O'Keefe's amazing little clips.
8: World was on fire. No one save me but you And it's strange what desire can make foolish people do I'd never dream that I'd meet somebody like you I'd never dream that I'd miss somebody
2: like you. Nobody wants to fall in love with lies. So we're going to stop it right there so I don't ruin the song. It's just wicked games. Games, games, games. That's all they play. And then when they come across people like Project Veritas, they got to do retractos. Welcome to the Project, Project Veritas, Veritas traveling, traveling.
9: Wall, wall of shame. shame. Our office was destroyed in the flood. Where journalists' reputations go to die. Where journalists have to print retractions and corrections and articles questioning our journalism ethics. Today's retracto goes to Rocco Periscandola, of the New York Daily News. Cue the retracto theme song. Retracto, So in this Daily News article, Rocco Paris Gandola writes the following thing, quote, the internet has blown up with a number of false reports, including one by Project Veritas that leaked Pfizer emails they claim show the pharmaceutical company's vaccine contains aborted fetal cells. Rocco was forced to print a big, fat, juicy correction. And they've changed it now to say, quote, Project Veritas conducted a video interview with a Pfizer employee about the company using fetal cell lines to test the efficacy of a vaccine. That's correct, that's false. You might ask, what prompted, what led Rocco Paris Gandola of the New York Daily News to to publish this claim that we made a false claim that we didn't make, what prompted Rocco to do this? I'm glad you asked. It's a sordid tale, a very nuanced journey that I have to take you through, to take you through all the things that happened that led this to happen, but it's very important you understand the tautologies, the the straw man, the, the ways the media are able to fabricate information through supposition, inference, and defamation by implication, and to take you on that journey, I have to do so via a fireside chat. It all started with the Associated Press. The Associated Press wrote an article saying, quote, not real news, a look at what didn't happen this week. You see, Rocco Periscandola's fake news claim that he's now had to correct originated with an Associated Press article written by a reporter at the Associated Press named Angelo Fichera. Angelo Fichera wrote a headline saying, "A look at what didn't happen this week. In that article, Angela Finchera wrote claim newly leaked emails among Pfizer employees show that the company's COVID-19 vaccine contains fetal cells. That headline, that article was written after we put out our video. The problem? Our video didn't make that claim. The Project Veritas video showed an email written not by us, but by Pfizer executives, including one Vanessa Gelman. Remember her? She's the one who ran away or attempted to run away. When we asked her about this email, Vanessa Gelman writing, quote, one or more acetyl lines with the origin that can be traced back to human fetal tissue has been used in laboratory tests associated with the vaccine program. That's the claim that was made. Notice that claim is different than the Associated Press's claim, quote, newly leaked emails among Pfizer employees show the company's COVID-19 vaccine contains fetal cells. That's not a claim that we made, and that's not a claim that Vanessa Gelman made. But Angelo Ficera is very clever. By putting out a straw man claim, by making a tautological argument suggesting that people are making a claim that we didn't make, the Associated Press reporter is able to poison the waters and imply that we are lying. As you recall, I explained what a straw man argument is, or in this case, defamation via implication. An argument ignores a person's actual position and substitutes a distorted, exaggerated, or misrepresented version of that position. That's what Angelo Ficera did. Now, we caught up with Angelo Ficera in Philadelphia on the street, and like Vanessa Gelman, he ran away.
6: You think we lied about what we published? Do you plan to retract? Hey, we expose everybody, Angelo.
9: Now, if you actually read this Associated Press article by Angelo Ficera, it's very nuanced what these people, it actually takes, it's ingenious, it's clever, the supposition, the defamation via implication, how nuanced it is. We scroll down the video, a widely shared video by Project Veritas has led to the false claim. But he does say, but the video shows that the company used a fetal cell line when testing the efficacy of the vaccine. So Angela Fechera actually reported factually correct information, but that was lost by our friend at the New York Daily News, Rocco, who didn't read evidently the full article and got the facts wrong. But as you know, our legal team at Project Veritas is indefatigable, fearless, persistent, courageous, and we've never lost a case. We've obtained hundreds of corrections and retractions, so we reach out to the Associated Press. We demanded a correction. John replied to us saying, quote, Thank you for reaching out. The article is clear that the misinformation was being spread by social media users who mischaracterized the conclusions of the video. So we are standing by our coverage. But what doesn't make sense is the Associated Press and their lawyers are, are eager to correct claims made by nobodies in comment sections, but not claims made by the New York Daily News.
2: Huh. So losers, victims, (laughs) blue haired victims, wannabe victims, people that are pushing some product victims, you know, they're more than others, you know, uh, not going to do a fire shot. You know, maybe we could watch Juicy Smoulier's video together, play by play, fireside chat with a big fat cigar. Dude, I want to know what cigar he has too. That looks so good. Um it's going to be super fun. Uh but let's let, let's hear what else happened. So just so that you understand how these operators work misinterpreting
9: your article at the Associated Press. Ergo defamation by implication. Here's the problem, John. It obviously was not clear because the New York Daily News read your article because they googled it and did were lazy and incompetent. And they used this defamation by implication to defame us in the New York Daily News and now they've had to correct it. Why weren't you fact checking the New York Daily News like you were the comment sections on Instagram or wherever you were going? Now John, vice president for standards at the Associated Press, that's precisely why you need to update, 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 correct or update, whatever you wanna call it. Your article, because people are using your article to spread misinformation. That's a word you always project onto me. Well, that's actually what you're doing, visa vicariously through the New York Daily News. And that's why there is actually laws in New York State called defamation by implication. That's why you need to correct your article, or potentially face litigation from Project Veritas. And by the way, we've never lost a case. It's not just our legal team that's indefatigable. It's also our communications team, including. R.C. Maxwell, you remember R.C. Maxwell, he stood up at the school board meeting in Sacramento and asked those questions. He chased the communist through the streets of Sacramento. Uh, the guy was actually a hammer and sickle shirt. It looked like an SNL parody of what a communist teacher would be. Well, R.C. Maxwell texted Rocco Periscamola about the facts of this situation and got a response. And it said, quote, Hello, the story has been tweaked tweaked. Also known as corrected. What else? All of this could have been avoided. (laughs) All of this could have been (laughs) avoided. There wasn't even an editor's note. They stealth corrected it. They shadow corrected it. I've never done anything like that in my life. And if I did, I'd be rightfully crucified. We don't lie to the audience like they do. They project onto us who they are. They are what they hate. They are the disinformation and the misinformation that they clamor so loudly about. Now, all of this can have been avoided. All of it. The tweaking, the defamation by implication, the Associated Press reporter running away from us in Philadelphia, Vanessa Gelman trying to run away from us, the Daily News updating their article, the defamation by implication. The legal emails that we send between the Associated Press, all of it could be avoided if you just stuck to the facts, but you don't. And that's why you'll get an alpaca. By the way, John Danicheski of the Associated Press, you may want to stay tuned for next week because we have an update in our defamation lawsuit against the New York Times. Some depositions coming out. I think you should correct your article.
2: I really, really wonder, is there going to be like a retracto song for victims, like Juicy, like all the Juicies out there? No. 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 There isn't. There isn't. There isn't. And the only thing you can do to all the Juicies is ignore them, because then they go nuts. Because that's all Juicies want, is attention. You know, he lost his job. He's no longer Empire. You know, apparently such an expert, but hasn't worked in like forever since he got caught lying, Um, you know, or or trying to get a a leg up in the industry because, you know, upset. Right. Uh, Things like that. Uh, That's how it happens when they lie, they get caught and then all their friends abandon him. I think Juicy. Doesn't even have, you know, the people that were standing by him in the beginning to make his story heard. They all were like, yo, you're on your own, dude. Uh, We're not, we're not playing with you anymore. You're, you're a loser. Well, um, here is another two videos from Project Veritas I'd like to share with you. Cause you know, video, audio shit, that stuff has a lot going on and it tells the world a lot.
9: Don Smith, James O'Keefe, you're one of the leaders at your local station, Kens 5. We have a whistleblower inside your station, your local CBS affiliate, who has emails saying that you said the Raquel Rodriguez videos were a hoax. And no idea what you're talking about. You can get have, out of here. Well, we have, we have an email from you. Get out of here. We have an email from you actually say, saying that you said it was a hoax. Quote, it looks like it was a hoax. That's you, Don Smith.
10: So, um how much money are we talking? Because just so you'll know, when you sell when you do things like this for votes, mm-hmm. you're talking between five to eight dollars per vote. I'm just letting you know so mm-hmm. you have an idea. And I'm gonna bring thirty five hundred to the to the plate. Okay. County wide. Mm-hmm. So I know what I'm bring to the plate countywide. So that's like twenty eight thousand dollars.
9: Raquel Rodriguez was arrested for voter fraud in San Antonio. Do you still think it was a hoax?
10: Uh, no comment. You can leave now.
9: We also have quotes from you saying that you don't want to do objective journalism. Your trainers say that objective journalism is not a priority.
11: I challenge you to stop thinking in terms of objective journalism, because, and we'll t- discuss why that's not really feasible anymore.
9: He said he didn't know what we're talking about. We have the email saying exactly what he said. It was a hoax. Raquel Rodriguez, San Antonio, arrested for ballot harvesting. Not a hoax.
2: You know, when people are busted, what they do is they go psychotic and they start, you know, their eyes start Googling out. You saw that guy? He was like psychotic. He's like, I don't know what, what you're talking about. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it's, it's beautiful to watch sometimes because that's where you see the demons. These are people that have demons people that have demons that threaten to take people out, you know, if they speak, uh, that are armed and threaten people. Like, I'm going to take as many of you as I can with me. (laughs) That's so bad. Well, here's another video of James O'Keefe. Here's where he's discussing a New York Times, his New York Times case, with a Columbia journalism professor uh this is quite fascinating um i'm really loving the work that james o'keefe is doing lately it's so with the times isn't it very parallel hello
12: hello this is james o'keefe ah! oh hey james how are you hey, hey bill Good. may i call
10: you bill uh yeah please please don't call me by william only my grandfather you could call me
12: that. Well, I appreciate you, um, being willing to talk to us about this, and we think it's very important. I appreciate you taking the time, so thank you very much for, for, uh, being willing Absolutely. to
10: talk Absolutely. I'm working on a story on the Project Veritas suit against the New York Times, particularly in light of, uh, Judge Wood's March 20th, March, March 18th decision where he declined <laughs> the case, and now we're off to the races. Uh, your first video starts with the, um, with the video of Liban Osman. I, I'm sorry if I, my Somali accents are not perfect, but hopefully I'm sure that you know who I'm talking about. It uh, opens with him in his car, um, surrounded by a number of uh, envelopes. First of all, is this a video that was from Snapchat? The reason I'm asking these things is, um, that the lawsuit makes some pretty serious claims, which You know, to your attorney's credit, the judge found um, worth pursuing about uh, the Times' ethics in terms of how they characterize
12: your video, uh, the fact that they didn't reach out to you, the fact that they didn't provide a link. What the Times originally reported was that the law itself was suspended, i.e. that it was not illegal from the district court ruling to the Supreme Court ruling to collect more than three ballots, which is patently right. false. My, my, my question, Bill, is the New York Times has already admitted in the lawsuit that they were they were factually wrong and they haven't corrected their articles, so and I think that's are... a big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you, history is replete with Pulitzer Prize winning reporters who not identified them as, as journalists.
10: What's essentially the difference mm-hmm. between an anonymous source quoted in a story, a voice In a video that has no face or a pixelated face, where the viewer has to basically take it on faith that this is the person that the journalistic source says it is.
12: In in, in one case, you're showing the actual videotaped evidence of the person. Um, You're actually hearing their voice. I'm not asking you to accept my interpretation of the events. I'm showing you the actual events. Further, you, you, we included Lebon's tag in the, in, the, in the video. I didn't disguise their voice. All, all people use exclusively anonymous sources. We're showing you their voices. The New York Times Trump tax return story, they showed you no sources. You couldn't hear anyone's voices in the interviews that were conducted. They coordinate with USA Today. Facebook relied upon USA Today to put false information through our video. And they can't even make a damn phone call. It's it's a disgrace.
2: We showed the voice. We showed all the other faces. Wait, so you're saying that the voice and the faces were shown and they're still like, no, right? It's not real, right? It's not real. We're sticking to our truth. Listen to my version, right? Listen to my version. It's not the video here that you're seeing that has been sourced with identification numbers from an actual company, right? where I can source it with geolocation, timestamp, and everything. It's what you say with your half-ass freaking out video, right? That's the thing. So weird. So weird. It's as if truth and facts don't matter. It's only about being victims. Oh, You're just saying that because they're Somali. You're just saying that they're all victims. The victims must be heard because they tell you they're victims.
1: And you can
12: understand why I'm passionate about this because this may be the most important issue of our time if a tech company can put a false flag through our video and ban our video, based partially upon what the New York Times is reporting, and the New York Times is reporting in court that they got it wrong, this is a big deal. Yeah, I agree. That, that the actual illegal act was incontrovertible and caught on tape, and the New York Times said I was, quote, making claims without evidence. So if an incontrovertible video recording of someone exchanging cash for an absentee ballot is an incontrovertible video recording of someone saying uh on audio and we show his face 800 dollars for vote. it's illegal quote i don't care illegal if i can report that and the new york times can say i'm making claims about evidence what is that about did the times at, at any point ask you
10: for a comment you know before they ran that September 29th piece where they call it a deceptive video or later on?
12: The answer is no. They didn't reach out to Liban Muhammad. They didn't reach out to A.J. Saweb. They didn't reach out to any of the people who were featured on our video whatsoever. At any point did Veritas approach him? The allegations were made against Liban Muhammad were made by himself in his own Snapchat videos. Have you you spoken with the New York
10: Times about this? Yes, I have. And they've spoken to you? Um, (coughs) They've given me some
12: comments to some questions, yes. So where is the ethics in these folks, whether it's Fox 9 or anyone else, just assuming that was the reason we made that decision? They should be lambasted for their lack of ethics. They just assumed that was the reason we launched the story, which is, I will swear to it under oath, that the New York Times tax return story had no no basis in my thinking. And yet it was reported that it, that it was. I mean, this is just why people are so outraged in this country about how crooked and corrupt the media is. That they would just report it's fact. That that was the reason why I launched this story when it did. They project onto me what it is that they do, and that's what the judge, you know, the judge effectively in this uh, New York Supreme Court of the state of New York, the judge says, deception and disinformation to interject your opinion in a news article. I I haven't seen anyone except you, and I give you a lot of credit for taking for doing this with us, because you're the first person in the United States was in the conservative press. It was in the Federalist Washington. Okay, Campbell. so you're the, you're the first person in the non-conservative press to write about this. Quote, a tape recorder's evidence is not easily denied. Perhaps it is its power that makes some journalists uncomfortable, unquote. Perhaps it is the power of the recording in Minnesota that made people uncomfortable because they had an ideological agenda to disprove what we were reporting. I stand by my my reporting. I stand by my reporting, Bill. We've we've won every lawsuit, Bill, that we've litigated.
5: Power, Deception, Propaganda, a new book by James O'Keefe. The moment you stop caring about what the media establishment thinks of you is the moment you become truly free. Pre-order now at AmericanMuckRaker.com.
2: Ding. You know, actually, I got a book in the mail today. Um, but I'll talk about it on Thursday because I want to read it. <clears throat> Tomorrow's Wednesday, right? It's hump day. We should, oh, it's the first of the month. I'm going to have to play a song. It's the first of the month. Wake up, wake up, right? Because it's going to, it should be lit. Come on. It's it's Christmas time, right? It's Christmas time. It should be totally lit. It should be completely lit. So, you know, we need to shift gears. We need to talk about AIDS, right? Right. We really need to talk about AIDS. But before we do it, I want you guys to listen to this final report. We'll break, and I know a lot of you guys want to hear the song. And I want to tell you, the song Wicked Games, I want you to think about it, is the mesmerizing propaganda I don't want to fall in love. Yeah. Don't fall in love with the backsplash and the bullshit they're selling you. And the, Hey, it's a lot easier if you have a QR code. I don't know, tattooed to your wrist. So you can pay for shit. You'll have credits for food, credits for housing, credits for luxury items. And yeah, I know there's a fail switch that, you know, maybe we could just delete everything. But if you're a good citizen, there's nothing to worry about, right? Because the New York City crypto coin is coming to town and that. Is not a joke. And so I said it was going to happen. Countries in the cities, I mean, even Biden made the inclination toward that. They want a civil war, a full-blown-out civil war, and it's coming. Tory, what can we do to stop it? We're doing what we can. I think we got to take it up a notch. And so there's a lot of big minds right now hashing that out, you know, bouncing it off because I'm not allowed to change things, right? That's the way the rules are. So I want you guys to listen carefully. We elected a president. They couldn't fix the elections and they couldn't contest the elections they couldn't fix because then people would find out that they fixed the elections and they still lost, right? So they rigged the elections and lost, but they got caught. So they couldn't contest them. So they thought we're just going to fuck him. And not only that, imagine being president and the Central Intelligence Agency not briefing you. How... You think it's a joke? Well, here we are four years later.
6: Donald Trump had a strained relationship with the intelligence community, but a new chapter published by the CIA underscores just just how troubled that relationship was even before Trump officially took office. office. Former Former intelligence officer John Helgerson writes that for the intelligence intelligence community, community, the Trump transition was far and away the most difficult in its historical historical experience with briefing new presidents. The only and imperfect analog was was the the Nixon Nixon transition. transition. DNI James Clapper, Clapper recalled Trump was prone, prone to fly off on tangents. There might be eight or nine minutes of real intelligence in an hour's discussion. The irreconcilable difference in Clapper's view is that the IC worked with evidence. Trump was fact free. Evidence doesn't cut it with him. Uh, And Uh, and we are are now joined joined by by David Priest. He's He's the publisher and chief Chief operating officer of Lawfare. He's He's also also a former former intelligence CIA officer officer himself, where he he briefed George W. Bush for part of that administration. administration. He's He's also the author of the President's Book of secrets, Secrets, a history of the president's daily brief um okay, um, okay this, this is, is called chapter nine, 9 donald j, j trump a unique challenge david i mean, I that's, mean that's a very understated, understated title I will, here, I will say here but explain this why he was more difficult, more difficult uh, or the most, most difficult since nixon. since
11: nixon unique actually is a very good summary john did a good job with that title because it conveys so much it wasn't that donald trump was unbriefable he did actually have intelligence briefings during the transition And he he did keep keep them through much of his presidency, but those briefings were decidedly decidedly different than than with any other other president because Donald Trump did not want to sit there and listen to the objective facts as judged by the the intelligence intelligence community. community. He He wanted wanted to talk. He wanted to interrupt. interrupt. He wanted to ask questions and not really focus on on what the evidence evidence was as much as as what he thought the evidence evidence was. And that led to a very difficult relationship for an intelligence enterprise that has been built up over decades solely to get objective information before the president.
6: And and look, you've written about this. Every president is different in their engagement style, but there's this, are the absorbing the information? And I think what we can see from this chapter is that Trump was not doing that nearly as much as other previous presidents. But, you know, the person who was was Vice President Mike Pence. He was kind of receiving these briefings more like a president than even President Trump was, it seems.
11: Right on. There's there's a couple of people other than President Trump in the administration who get some attention in this new material. And one of them is Vice President Pence, who we didn't have much of a window on from the reporting during the administration regarding how he took intelligence. There was an assumption that he was getting the president's daily brief and taking the information seriously because, frankly, The vice Vice president President just doesn't doesn't have as much to do as the president president, and he always could have to step into Trump's Trump's shoes, perhaps more more likely with this president than many others given the two impeachments. So Pence should have been doing this this, and And this this material material shows shows that that in fact he was, that he was was taking briefings quite regularly regularly and engaging heavily with his intelligence community interlocutors. interlocutors. But there also is a focus on Michael Michael Flynn in this document, which is quite interesting regarding Regarding what what he's he's been up to lately, because Michael Flynn, Flynn, unlike unlike President-elect Trump, Trump, was fully briefed on all CIA covert actions that were at the behest of the current president, president, that that was Barack Barack Obama at the time, that Donald Trump Trump would be be inheriting as his covert actions on Inauguration Day. Michael Flynn got got that briefing from the CIA, along with Vice President President Pence, back on December 7th of 2020, Trump didn't. And it wasn't until several weeks into his administration that Trump got briefed on all of the covert actions that he was now responsible for. It was quite a revelation.
6: Yeah. Well, you mean when Flynn was briefed in 2016? Is that what you meant, just to be clear?
11: Yes. 2016, okay. not yeah, 2020. No, I just, I just by, uh, wanted to be twenty twenty. Michael Flynn was in a Ooh,
6: that would have been a headline. OK, so um, he actually didn't get Trump, didn't get a briefing in the last month yeah. of the presidency.
11: That's, That's how, how it appears. See, the um, It's a little, little bit dodgy the way that it's written. written. Uh, uh, it's Donald almost as if John Hugerson didn't want to say it that bluntly. bluntly. But he, he pointed, pointed out, out that before, Donald Trump, before Donald Trump left for Mar-a-Lago for the, for the holidays, holidays, which was somewhere right around December 23rd, 2020, 2020
13: that, he that he had, had his last briefing, briefing with his regular
11: PDB briefer and said, I'll see you later. But She wasn't wasn't planning planning on going down down to Mar-a-Lago and briefing briefing him during the holidays. Uh, Later meant when he came back in early January. But the book says that he came back and they were scheduled to have a briefing on January 6th, but they didn't have one and they didn't have one until the end of Trump's term, which does add up to almost a month of no intelligence getting to the president through the regular briefing process, because this material also shows that even though the PDB would be delivered, He may have literally touched the book, as his first briefer said, but he didn't actually read anything. So it's a shocking revelation there, too, that the commander in chief of the United States didn't get any material from the PDB for virtually a month at the end of his presidency in a very chaotic time.
6: Yeah, it's it's staggering. And, you know, you, you mentioned, as we see Trump's style here, interrupting briefers. What's, what's the matter with that? What's, what's, wrong, what's wrong with interrupting, interrupting a briefer or, or challenging a briefer?
11: Yeah, yeah, this may be surprising, but there's nothing at all wrong with that. In fact, when, when, when I was a briefer, was most often for Bob Mueller and John Ashcroft, but a few, a few times into the White House, House, I actually wanted the customers, as we called them, to interrupt because, interrupt, because then I would, then would know what wasn't working for them in the way I was presenting it, the and I would know what was of interest to them that I needed to address in the limited time we had together. So there's there's nothing wrong with interruptions. There is something wrong if the interruptions mean that the fundamental bottom-line assessments cannot be communicated, if the messages that the entire intelligence community has been geared up to try to get to the commander-in-chief can't get through because there's too much chaos in the room. And it looks from this new material like that's closer to where we were at often in the Trump administration, that... Clapper said, I think you teed up eight or nine minutes in a one-hour briefing might actually be focused on intelligence. You know, that's, that's actually not horrible. You can communicate a lot of intelligence bottom lines in eight or nine minutes. That was a hopeful note in the new material. But other days, it sure sounds like no main messages were getting through. And that's the problem with someone who interrupts so often to hear himself talk that the intelligence briefer can't do her job getting the information out.
6: I love love how you say that's that's hopeful. hopeful." You You are are an optimist, David Priest. priest. (laughs) You You are. Uh, And I I really really thank thank you you for, you know, just you you pull pull the curtain curtain back on this. And it's it's great great to talk to to you about this. this. Thank Thank you. you.
11: Thank Thank you. you.
2: Pull the curtain. So the CIA did not brief the president and they had every right to do so, even though we elected him. All right, let's take a break so we can get into um, the good stuff. Mm -hmm.
8: world was on fire no one could save me but you and it's strange what desire can make foolish people do I'd never dreamed that I'd meet somebody like you I'd never dreamed that I'd miss somebody like you. And I don't want to fall in love. And I don't want to fall in love with you. With you. What a wicked thing to say. You never felt that way. What a wicked thing to do. To make me dream of you. What a wicked game you play You never felt that way What a wicked thing to do To make me dream of you And I Don't wanna fall in love And I
1: With you,
8: with you. World was on fire. No one could save me but you. And it's strange what desire can make foolish people do I'd never dream that I'd meet somebody like you I'd never dream that I'd meet somebody like you And I don't wanna fall in love And I Don't wanna fall in And I I wanna fall in love With you With you Nobody
2: loves no one you. So nobody wants to love games, right? I mean, you kind of like games sometimes, right? But these are really crazy, wicked games because nobody knows who, what, when, where, and what it is. So I thought we could start with, uh, you know, a really old uh, videotaping uh, that talks about AIDS. I it really did. What's HIV? What is AIDS? And, you know, uh, yeah, I, I was thinking uh, maybe we should start with uh, the health channel or, you know, something more simpler. So I thought we could just take a tour on what everybody has been saying for years of, uh, w- what AIDS is. Let's I- HIV. Like, what is it? What is HIV? Do you guys know HIV, human immunodeficient virus, meaning you have no immunity, right? And, uh, you know, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So let's look at, you know, this old video of, you know, what is HIV? Let's Let's check it out. Let's see. Let's see. Where is it? There we go. Because we should all learn about it. You should know what it is because it's an important thing to know. It didn't come from mummies and it didn't come from gay men having sex and uh, definitely didn't come from other things. I mean, so interesting that everyone's now talking about all the people he experimented on with HIV. Oh, let's go. The virus that that weakens weakens and and attacks attacks the 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 immune
7: system. HIV stands for human immunodeficiency virus. You can get infected with vaginal fluids Semen, breast milk, or blood of an infected person gets into your body. This can happen by having sex without a condom, sharing needles and other sharp objects. A baby can also get HIV from its infected mother during pregnancy, delivery, or by breastfeeding. The virus targets the CD4 cells in your body, which are part of your immune system. They are responsible for fighting foreign cells, such as viruses and bacteria. When the HIV virus gets into a CD4 cell, it replicates itself and infects other CD4 cells. Because of that, the number of CD4 cells in your system goes down, making your body more vulnerable for diseases caused by these viruses and bacteria. In the beginning of the infection, your immune system is strong enough to defend itself. This is why it can take years for people to develop symptoms or get AIDS. HIV is different from AIDS. AIDS stands for Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome. A person is diagnosed with AIDS when he or she is no longer able to fight off diseases that the immune system normally could defeat. To know your status, you can get a free and confidential HIV test at hospitals and other health clinics. Even when your status is positive, you can make sure you still live a productive and long life. Yeah, you can
2: live a long life because there's medications. Let's take a look in 2015, how they were treating HIV. This is from Khan Academy. Very interesting. Let's go. Let's get some education because like Thomas Jefferson said, the only way, if you think that the people are too dumb to run their country, educate them.
14: So, treatment video with just a quick refresher on how an HIV particle actually takes over one of your CD4 T cells. So, here you can see HIV, you know, meeting up with one of your CD4 T cells, right? And then these proteins that are on both of them, right? They, they sort of start to shake hands, I guess, you, I guess you could call it. And, you know, because of this little handshake that they have going on, this secret handshake, the HIV... Fuses with the CD4 cell, right? And, and it, it kind of injects its genetic material and, and its enzymes into your cell. So the single stranded RNA that, that sort of it brought with it gets reverse transcribed and eventually gets made into double stranded DNA. And then this double stranded DNA gets taken into our nucleus and then gets spliced into our DNA by this integrase enzyme here. Then our cell starts to crank out viral RNA, right? All-
2: Wait, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm so, shit. Wait, let's just let's just let's just think about it for a second. Wait, so you're saying that the RNA goes in there, and then it's reverse transcribed, and it creates a double-stranded DNA, and then it gets taken into our nucleus, where it gets spliced and inserted into our DNA. Oh, I didn't think mRNA does that. Holy crap. <laughs> I think someone's fibbing, let's see
14: All sorts sorts of of viral RNA, I mean, it doesn't have to, sometimes it kind of lays low and, and doesn't do anything because it wants to avoid our immune system. But in this case, it starts to crank out all sorts of viral RNA. So some of it's the RNA genome of the HIV and some of it's viral mRNA, right? Which then goes on to get translated into a viral polyprotein. And then it gets cleaved up by protease, HIV protease. And then it gets packaged into these sort of new, shiny HIV particles. That-
2: okay, so then what happens? We have viral mRNA that hijacks your machinery that comes out. It gets uh, cleaved up. It gets tidied up, basically, and boxed in. And then it goes to the surface of the cell to be exported like a spike protein. You know, simple stuff, simple stuff. And then that spike mature protein goes and infects other shit. Damn, I I think I've heard that. I've seen this movie before. Someone's seen this movie before. Anyway, I'm going to shut up and you're going to watch the rest of this with me and take a look. I just thought I would kind of insert there because it kind of seemed like the same movie we're seeing the whole, yeah, this uh, vaccine just goes inside, it doesn't go into your DNA, (laughs) kinda not really.
14: That are now mature and and really infectious. So, now that we've done that refresher, let's sort of just talk about the possible treatments and where along this pathway we can use our treatments. So, the key treatment for people with HIV infections is antiretroviral medication, or ARVs. And, you know, these aren't cures for HIV, but they're really, really important for a few different reasons. So, for one, they can stop people from getting really, really sick with their HIV. They can reduce the amount of HIV in someone's body to levels that are pretty undetectable on lab tests. And, you know, I guess kind of related to that, they therefore make it a lot less likely for someone to pass on the virus to someone else because of these really low levels. So I guess the overall idea, the big idea behind ARV treatment is to keep the viral levels really, really low.
2: We're going to switch lessons. We're going to come back because we're going to see, you know, uh, from Khan Academy, what is HIV and AIDS? I think it's important that we revisit that, just get to know the basics, right? What's the difference? How does it work? You know, before we get into the whole medication part, I think it's very important to see how it operates, you know, how... You're so immunodeficient that you need boosters. It's really important. I think it's really important. So let's go.
14: What is HIV and what is AIDS? Well, let's first look at HIV. HIV is a virus that attacks our immune system. And if we expand this out, we can see that that's reflected in its name, human immunodeficiency virus. So this implies that it does something to our immune system somehow, and we'll actually explore that a little bit later on. And if we don't treat HIV, it'll eventually cause AIDS in the infected person. Acquired immune deficiency syndrome. So right away, you already get a sense that HIV attacks your immune system so destructively that you end up acquiring an immune deficiency syndrome state of immune system failure so
0: and for all of us should be to lower the cost of health care and prescription drugs and to protect patients with pre-existing conditions (laughs) Already as a result of my administration's efforts in 2018, drug prices experienced their single largest decline in 46 years. But we must do more. It's unacceptable that Americans pay vastly more than people in other countries for the exact same drugs often made in the exact same place. This is wrong, this is unfair, and together we will stop it and we'll stop it fast. I'm asking Congress to pass legislation that finally takes on the problem of global freeloading and delivers fairness and price transparency for American patients, finally. We should also require drug companies, insurance companies, and hospitals to disclose real prices to foster competition and bring costs way down. No force in history has done more to advance the human condition than American freedom. In recent years, In recent years, we have made remarkable progress in the fight against HIV and AIDS. Scientific breakthroughs have brought a once distant dream within reach. My budget will ask Democrats and Republicans to make the needed commitment to eliminate the HIV epidemic in the United States. Within 10 years, we have made incredible strides epidemic in the United States within 10 years. We have made incredible to make the needed commitment to eliminate the HIV epidemic in the United States within 10 years. We have made incredible stride. Democrats and Republicans to make the needed commitment to eliminate
14: the HIV epidemic. So right away, you already get a sense that HIV attacks your immune system so destructively that you end up acquiring an immune deficiency syndrome. It puts you into a state of immune system failure. So you end up not being able to fight off even the most basic infections. And this immuneless state is what we call AIDS. So let's explore this a little bit further now. Let's actually use the help of a graph. This might be helpful. So here's our graph, and we'll put time down here on our x-axis. And actually, just to make this extra useful, we'll put weeks in this beginning part here, and then we'll transition to years here. And you'll, you'll see how this is relevant in a few moments here. So um, on, on the y-axis here, we'll put CD4T lymphocyte count. T-lymphocytes are a really, really important type of immune system cell. And CD4 just refers to a, a type of protein that's stuck through their cell membranes. That's, that's kind of how we like to identify them by this protein on their membranes. And the reason they get a special spot on an entire axis of our graph here is because they're super important in the progression from HIV infection to AIDS. Because as you might have suspected, it turns out that HIV preferentially loves to infect these CD4 cells of our immune system. And why is this so bad? Well, these CD4 cells, also called helper T-cells, play a huge role in signaling your other immune cells to come and destroy any given infectious particle that our body discovers, like maybe strep throat bacteria or flu viruses, or even HIV viruses for that matter. So these CD4 cells are kind of central. They're almost like little amplifiers of our immune system. So because HIV loves to infect and kill these cells, it completely disrupts how our immune systems function and renders it essentially useless. So let's say you acquire HIV in your body, either in your bloodstream or your your tissues, maybe through unprotected sex with an infected partner. That would be the most common uh, method of becoming infected with HIV in adults at least. What happens? Well, the main thing is that the virus really quickly gets into your white blood cells. So these T helper cells, the CD4 cells we talked about, but also some other white blood cells like your macrophages and so on. And from inside a white blood cell, it can do two things. One, it can sort of hijack your cell's machinery, so it manages to insert its genetic material into your own cell's DNA. And from there, it starts to make lots and lots and lots of copies of itself, lots of new HIV particles. Actually, that's uh, really, really important. So let's put that on our graph too. Let's say viral load here on another y-axis here. Viral load, referring to the amount of HIV in your bloodstream so we can see that after our primary infection here the viral load starts to increase it's hijacked our t helper cells and now new hiv particles are being churned out and our viral load is majorly on the upswing and you'll notice that the viral load is starting to rise at around the two to three week mark and that's just because it takes a bit of time for the uh, hiv um, virus production to start sort of ramping up within our bodies And of course, a major concern here is, well, the more HIV there is in your bloodstream, the more CD4 cells get infected, get hijacked, right? But the biggest problem here, thing number two here, is that HIV infection of your CD4 cells triggers a self-destruct sequence within these cells. So you end up losing these CD4 cells. And even worse, the self-destruct sequence doesn't just destroy the infected cells. It even destroys nearby immune cells that maybe have come into the area to try to help out. So I won't go into the mechanism in this video, but you do end up losing lots more immune cells than just the infected ones. And that's part of why you see this massive drop-off here. This line representing our, our CD4 T cell numbers has this really steep downward slope. We're losing lots of T cells while, at the same time, our HIV viral load is going up and causing more and more infection of our cells. The other thing I want to point out here is you can see this massive rise in viral load and this pretty massive drop in CD4 levels. And this huge viral load means that this time period, right, early on in an infection, is when someone with HIV has the highest risk of transmitting it to someone else. I guess one good thing here is that eventually, maybe a month or so in, your, your immune system gets somewhat of a handle on the virus, and it starts to make anti-HIV antibodies, right? Those are just antibodies against HIV. So they start to fight off the virus to some extent, and this is called seroconversion, when you make antibodies to something. So now we've seroconverted to HIV. So now the antibodies get to work on, on helping to destroy the viral particles. And that's why we see this decrease here in viral load in the bloodstream, because our immune system is starting to control the viral levels to some degree. And this also gives our CD4 cells a a chance to recover to some extent, because there's less virus around to infect them. So you might be wondering how you're gonna feel during all of this, with this massive battle going on inside your body. Well, you're gonna feel sick. You're probably gonna feel like you're having the worst flu you've ever had. So, about here, about a month or so in at seroconversion, you start to fight the infection, and as a result, most people get some serious flu-like symptoms. So, things like headache and and fever and sore throat, um, muscle pains, joint pains, some people get swollen glands, just sort of fatigue and and feeling unwell. Some people get a rash, Uh, some people get some open sores in their mouth, These are some of the more common symptoms of an acute infection with HIV. And this flu-like illness that people experience is referred to as acute HIV syndrome. And the reason for a lot of these symptoms is because, well, when immune system cells get really active, or when they die off, both of which are happening here, of course, they tend to release these little chemical signals that cause inflammation, sort of all throughout your body. And so this is what underlies a lot of these symptoms here. So back to our graph, the immune system can't completely kill off the HIV even though we have antibodies now, right? And, and that's because A, remember the rate of immune system killing is roughly matching up with the rate of new viral particles being produced. And B, because the virus has sort of taken up residence in some really, really hard to reach reservoirs within our body, like within the brain and within our bone marrow and within our genital tract. Because of these two reasons, these curves tend to sort of stabilize at some point. They reach a set point where, again, our immune system is killing off HIV at a pretty similar rate to which HIV is replicating. So the curves start to come together a bit more and stabilize somewhat. So this period here is thought of as the start of the second phase of HIV infection, what's called the latency period, or or chronic HIV. This um, acute infection back here being phase one. So in this latency period, we don't tend to see any clinical signs of HIV illness. The person is often asymptomatic. They're still infectious, but there are few or no symptoms during this phase, and without treatment, this phase will last, on average, about 10 years. And I said that our curves here stabilized, right? But it turns out that HIV's actually replicating, and killing our immune cells just at teensy little bit more than our CD4s are recovering. So over this long period of time, phase two, eventually, again without treatment, HIV will start to overwhelm our immune system and we'll start to see symptoms again. So things like fever or muscle pains or swollen glands, really similar to the acute infection, and and again, much for the same reasons as before. And many people at this stage of the illness experience significant weight loss. HIV causes you to use more energy than usual and also prevents you from absorbing nutrients from your food as as well as you normally would. So we often see some significant weight loss for, for these and a few other reasons as well. Eventually, if our CD4 cells get to a critically low number and results in our having no functional immune system, that's what AIDS is essentially a state of being where we have no immune system. So at this point, this is when certain bugs, um, bacteria and viruses that would never stand a chance against even a minimally effective immune system, these things start to infect the person. And we refer to these specific infections as AIDS-defining illnesses, because we just know that if somebody has one of these illnesses, they just cannot have a functioning immune system. It just wouldn't happen. Or at least it would be really, really unusual. So there's a high suspicion of, the, the, of this person having AIDS and not just an HIV infection anymore, if they have any of these AIDS-defining illnesses. Two examples of AIDS-defining illnesses are uh, two fungal pneumonias, one called pneumocystis pneumonia and one called cryptococcal pneumonia. These are two common uh, AIDS-defining illnesses. And again, these aren't the types of infections that you get when your immune system works even a little bit. So actually, one of two criteria have to be met before we can say someone has AIDS. Either they have to have extremely low amounts of CD4 cells in their blood, And to get a little bit technical here, it's if they have less than 200 CD4 cells per microliter of blood. With the normal count, the normal CD4 count in this amount of blood, it should be around 1,000 to 1,100 CD4 cells. Or, regardless of CD4 count, if they have any of the AIDS-defining illnesses, like either of these, for example, then we can say that they have developed AIDS. And so you might have suspected this, but it's actually the overwhelming impact and and the complications of serious infections that you pick up because of the immune deficiency in AIDS that actually results in the death of the person. So from HIV infection to eventually an incredibly high amount of viral particles and low amount of CD4 cells in the bloodstream to development of a completely non-functional immune system in AIDS, very quickly leading to overwhelming infection by essentially every infectious pathogen from A to Z. And because of this, death results.
0: eliminate the HIV epidemic in the United States within 10 years, we have made incredible strides, incredible. Democrats and Republicans, to make the needed commitment to eliminate the HIV epidemic in the United States within 10 years. We have made incredible strides. Incredible. <laughs> and Republicans, to make the needed commitment to eliminate the HIV epidemic in the United States within 10 years. That we have made they incredible... therefore make it a
14: lot less likely for, for someone, someone to pass on, on the virus to someone, someone else, else because these are really, really low levels. levels.
1: So So I guess the the overall overall idea, idea, the big big idea idea behind behind ARV treatment treatment is is to keep keep the the viral viral
14: levels levels really, really low. And, And you know, know, I I should probably probably mention this a bit earlier, earlier, but the the reason reason it doesn't cure an HIV HIV infection is because because there's this pool, there's there's this big pool of infected CD4 cells that get established really early early on in an infection. And And they they sort of lay low, essentially what I showed you earlier. So this pool of low-lying CD4 cells, I guess, infected CD4 cells, they avoid both detection by our immune system, so we can't pick them out and sort of deal with them. And they, they, they avoid the effects of these antiretroviral, antiretroviral drugs. And, and then at, and at any, any given time, they might sort of spontaneously you know activate and start, and start producing new HIV infectious particles. Infectious but, particles. Let's
13: but let's talk about, about the antiretroviral, antiretroviral medications. Medication. So, so there's, there's about, about six main groups, six main six types, types that we use, use to prevent HIV from,
14: from working properly. properly. And they all, they all kind, kind of work in slightly, slightly different, different ways. They all have their own sort of flair. So, so a, a typical, typical treatment, treatment regimen, right, right? That, that involves taking at least two, two of these, these, but preferably, preferably three, three of these different, different types of medications at the same, same time. And, and, you know, you we, know we, we don't we just do that arbitrarily. The, the reason, reason we do this is because, because it's, been it's been found that taking just one, one, kind of drug of drug, gives gives one kind of drug gives, gives the virus the opportunity, the chance to become, become resistant to that drug. And, you know, that's obviously not very good. But, but it turns, it turns out like that giving a few, few different kinds, right, two, right, two or three, three, all at once, makes it really, really, really tough for HIV to, HIV to get resistant to any, any of them. Because, because essentially the HIV dies before it has, has a chance to mutate and become resistant. And become so resistant. Because, because of this, before, before you actually start on any of these antiretrovirals, antiretrovirals, you'll probably have some, some testing done to see maybe, maybe which types of medications, medications you're already resistant to. So let's work on our list now. So two drugs that we can have as part of our treatment. They start right right at the very very beginning beginning here. here. So So we've we've got fusion fusion inhibitors, inhibitors, right? And and they they bind to the GP120 protein protein, or or, or the GP41 of the virus. virus. And they they prevent HIV from binding to and and entering our our CD4 cells. cells. So So they work work by by sticking to to certain proteins that HIV kind of needs needs to enter our our cell, And then they stop stop this fusion fusion step from happening. And we also have CCR5 antagonists which binds bind to the, the CCR5 5 protein, protein here, here that, that sits beside the CD4 protein. protein. So, so remember, remember, in most cases, cases, the CCR5 is also necessary for HIV entry. entry. So, so now, now all, of all of a sudden, this HIV is, is going to have a really, really, really hard time entering, entering our cells. cells. It's, it's kind, kind of like gumming up a lock on, on say, say, your car door or, or something like that. So you just can't really get the key in anymore, and you're kind of locked out. And, and, you know, you've you got, got tons of CCR5, of CCR5 proteins, proteins all over your CD4 cell, cell. and uh, there's, there's obviously tons, tons of GP41 proteins on, on, on HIV particles, particles. But, but the idea is that you take the right dose of the drug so that you end up, up with enough, enough little bits to gum, gum up the, the majority of these proteins. proteins.
13: So, let's so let's actually keep our, our list here, up to here up to date. Dates. So
14: fusion inhibitors are a type, and CCR5 antagonists, they're another type of antiretroviral. But, you know, let's say some HIV does get through, it does fuse, or maybe you're just not on one of these fusion inhibitors. Where is the next place in this sort of pathway that we can block off HIV? Well, remember, this step here is reverse transcriptase, that enzyme, jumping onto the viral RNA gets into our cell, and then it starts to make single-stranded DNA out of it, right? Well, we actually have another two types of drugs that work at this stage. So one is called a nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitor, an NRTI. So just think about what's happening here, right? So reverse transcriptase is using viral RNA, right? This really nice cobalty blue strand as a template to create viral single-stranded DNA, right? This lighter blue one. So to actually put together this new single-stranded viral DNA, reverse transcriptase has to kind of fish around in the area and grab onto some of our nucleosides that are floating around. And then it attaches them together, right? Like end to end to build a strand of DNA. Remember nucleotides and nucleosides are the building blocks for our DNA. So what we've come up with, right? What this NRTI does is it's essentially a decoy nucleoside. So it looks just like one of our normal nucleosides, but Geniusly, it's missing a key component, which makes it impossible for HIV's reverse transcriptase to attach another nucleoside to its end. And if it can't do that, then this DNA just can't be built, right? It stops being created because it can't be elongated anymore, right? The next piece can't sort of be tagged on, attached on. So those are NRTIs. But, you know, another way this reverse transcriptase step can be interfered with is just by gumming up the reverse transcriptase enzyme itself. You know, think about how Spider Man catches Doc Ock or the Hobgoblin. He kind of gums them up with his web blaster. And you know, it's a similar thing that goes on here, obviously, unfortunately, minus Spider Man. So these drugs that gum up reverse transcriptase are called non nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitors, NNRTIs, because they do inhibit reverse transcriptase, just not by anything to do with nucleosides. They actually work on the enzyme itself. But let's say that. HIV mutates, again, as it often does, and then these drugs just don't work anymore. What's the next sort of step? What's the next stage we can interfere with it at? Well, remember here, right? This viral integrase enzyme, it kind of grabs a hold of this double-stranded viral DNA here, and then it tries to bring it into the nucleus to integrate it into our DNA, Well, we have integrase inhibitors that stop this little viral enzyme here from doing what it wants to do. So our drug essentially grabs onto the integrase and just hangs on really, really tight. So then integrase can't bring any viral DNA into our nucleus, right? Which means ultimately it doesn't end up integrating the viral DNA into our DNA. And, you know, this step is really, really good. This is an extra important step here because it's been shown that viral DNA integrating into our DNA is a major, major trigger for our cell to undergo apoptosis or self-destruction. So, you know, just as a general rule, the less viral DNA that actually does this integration step, the fewer CD4 cells that we end up losing. So now let's add that to our list, right? Integrase inhibitors. Now, let's say you're not taking an integrase inhibitor what's the like next and and sort of last step we'll talk about where you can interfere with hiv well remember that after integration our rna polymerase is going to come along right and it's going to transcribe this bit of dna here including the viral dna unfortunately and turn it into viral rna and viral mrna and then this mRNA is going to sort of hop into a ribosome and get translated into a viral polyprotein. And that'll get cleaved up by viral protease so that a really you know infectious working viral particle gets produced, right? Well, not if we can help it. So our last drug that we'll talk about is called a protease inhibitor. And, you know, there's actually a few different kinds of these too, but the one I'll mention actually binds to the active site, right? The site that does all the work on this protease enzyme here, the sort of Pac-Man mouth part. And again, it sort of gums it up. It stops it from working, so it can't then go on to cleave up this viral polyprotein. So that's good, that's great. Now this little baby virion here won't go on to get mature or become infectious. So you can see that by using some of these drugs, right, in combination, we can really, really minimize how much HIV can replicate within our bodies, right? Because we we can stop it from getting into our CD4 cells, which it kind of needs to replicate. And as you saw, we can stop it at a few other places as well. So ultimately, you just end up with a way lower viral load in your bloodstream. That was
2: interesting, wasn't it? Well, you know, we should talk about that because they were talking about all these menace- What is it called? Regeneron, right? Regeneron. Let's see what Regeneron is that's killing people because they're just testing stuff, right? They're just testing stuff. So let's just take a look at Regeneron. Hold on. Oops, I didn't put it there. Give me a sec. And here we go.
15: When it comes to treating diseases like cancer, modern medicine has an impressive arsenal. And one of its most versatile weapons are Y-shaped proteins called monoclonal antibodies. Our immune systems already produce their own antibodies. They come in billions of variations, each matching a specific target, such as a particular toxin, bacteria or virus. When they bind to their target, they send a signal. This bacterium is now marked for destruction. These naturally produced antibodies are pretty effective. But in the 1970s, scientists figured out how to mass produce them. They can take any specifically targeted antibody and make huge numbers of identical clones. Which means you can produce monoclonal antibodies for almost any disease you can think of. Which brings us on to cancer. Mutated cells that start growing out of control can be deadly. but. The body's immune system isn't defenceless. Meet the CTL. It's a type of white blood cell that can detect infected or mutated cells. And when it finds one, it secretes toxic molecules that initiate a self-destruct sequence. But the CTLs do sometimes need to be reined in. If they get over-enthusiastic, the immune system can start causing collateral damage attacking healthy cells. Fortunately, the CTLs can be turned off by activating a molecule called PD-1. The trouble with having an off switch is that cancer cells can exploit it. Many cancer cells protect themselves with a counter-receptor called pdl one This is where monoclonal antibodies come in. Scientists can use one of two types one that binds the PD-1 molecule, or another that goes for pdl one Thanks to the monoclonal antibodies, all of the CTLs are fully activated and can blast away the cancer. This is just one way that monoclonal antibodies can be used. They've already proven effective against a whole range of cancers, and yet more are still being developed. With their ability to be targeted at specific diseases, monoclonal antibodies are turning out to be a game changer and one of our most effective weapons in the fight against cancer. All right. So uh,
2: I meant to say, (laughs) I meant to to say Regeneron. I wanted to say the remdesivir, you know, at the end where they were like, oh, you know, there's this Pac-Man with the protease that, um, you know, the protease, I I, just, so you understand when your cell is hijacked and this virus is happening or whatever, what it does is it gums up or it stalls. It, it, I want you to imagine a puzzle, (sighs) Like Indiana Jones, you remember when they had to like push special keys to open up something, right? With, no, that was the Goonies, the Goonies. When they were, you know, in, in that scene with the piano and they had to play the right notes to open the door or whatever. Okay. So this is how on a molecular, such a tiny nanometer size level, right? Armstrong, uh, level they work is, um, they, it's like, you have to push the right button so it can stick. So stuff can happen. So what, um Rimdesivir does, it fucks that up. It's like it's like someone sliding their hands across the keyboard all the time and no one can play music. So it's like, yeah, you're not making a virus, and it's blocking it. But just because it blocks it on one side, it makes it over uh it overcompensate. So this blocking mechanism is not highly specific. It'll block shit that you actually need. So that's the problem um, with um, remdesivir that it's actually killing people because it's blocking all the proteins of that cell. So, like for example, I'm a cell, right? Just imagine yourself as a cell. You're like the circle. Your brain's the nucleus, and you know you're just fixing shit out in in the world. And so there's a hole in your wall, right? Of your of your circle. You want to send proteins to fix it, right? So what happens is you want to send proteins to fix that hole because it's stuck because of the remdesivir. And so then your proteins that are going there to fix it also get stuck. And then another line comes and they get stuck. And then it's like a car pile wreck of getting stuck. And then your cell can't use enough. Like there's no way that you can digest all of them. No lysosomes. You're fucked. It's full of garbage. Your cell dies. You die. You see, this is the problem with the remdesivir that they're using. Regeneron uses, um, a method of, uh, uh, antibody therapy, which is still, uh, not, um, uh, not something you want to see. But, you know, speaking of HIV, huh, you do know that the way they act, they, they, they survive is by using Ritonavir, and it's a booster drug. Yes, they're using booster drugs. gander.
13: Ritonavir acts as booster drug. Ritonavir. Ritonavir is a HIV protease inhibitor, which is indicated by the suffix never. So within this protease inhibitors category, we include so many types of drugs. All these are ending with the suffix never. For example, drugs like uh, saquinavir, indinavir, ritonavir, Nelfinavir, darunavir tipranavir fosamprenavir and lopinavir all these are the protease inhibitors so among these ritonavir is one of the drug which is used as a booster drug or pharmacokinetic enhancer drug so in this video let us see why this ritonavir is used as a booster drug in the treatment of hiv so, first of all, let us see how these protease inhibitors are going to act in the HIV cell by translation. So, now at the translation step, a viral peptide chain is going to be formed on the host ribosome. But the host cells do not have any enzyme that can cleave this peptide chain at a particular length so that they can prepare the viral proteins. In order to carry this function, Viral cell will have one of the important enzyme, protease enzyme. This protease enzyme will cleave this viral peptide chain into the both structural as well as functional proteins. Now by action of this protease enzyme, few of the proteins are going to form like capsid proteins, which are the structural proteins which is forming an envelope around this uh, nucleic acid material. And this protease enzyme can also produce the functional proteins uh, like integrase enzyme as well as other enzymes like the reverse transcriptase. In this way, protease is very important in order to prepare both structural as well as functional proteins of the viral cells which are then assembled, packed and released as the new virions. Now, this HIV protease enzyme is blocked by protease inhibitors including the ritonavid. So, all the protease inhibitors are going to inhibit the synthesis of structural as well as functional proteins of the viral cell. Now, let us see the fate of these protease inhibitors. So, within the intestine, when these protease inhibitors are given, they are undergoing the first-pass metabolism. Thereby, they are converted to metabolites by one of the important enzymes, CYP3A4, cytochrome P450-3A4. So some of the drug is going to be metabolized within the intestine and some of the drug is then going to be absorbed into the systemic circulation. Now after reaching into the systemic circulation these protease inhibitors are going to enter into the liver by the enterohepatic circulation and again within the liver these protease inhibitors are undergoing the metabolism by the same enzyme CYP3A4. So in this way the protease inhibitors have the significant first pass metabolism and their bioavailability is reduced by the cyp3a4 and even the intestine expresses few of the pumps like p glycoprotein pumps which are acting like the effluxing pumps protease inhibitors which are absorbed into the systemic circulation can be reflected back again to the intestine by these p glycoprotein pumps and P-glycoprotein pumps are also expressed on the CD4 T-cells, which are also flexing the drug out of the cell so that they can decrease the activity of uh, protease inhibitors. Now, here the retinolivir is going to play an important role. Ritonavir is acting like a booster drug because it is going to inhibit the metabolism of this uh, protease inhibitors at the intestine as well as at the liver as well as it also inhibits the P-glycoprotein pump Thereby, it inhibits the metabolism and increases the bioavailability of the protease inhibitors. In this way, ritonavir can increase the bioavailability of the protease inhibitors by inhibiting their first-pass metabolism as well as their efflux out of the intestine. So ritonavir now used as a booster drug. Ritonavir can be used as an antiretroviral agent directly as well as it can also be used as a booster drug. So, when it is used as an antiretroviral agent, it is given at a high dose. But when it is used as a booster drug, it is given at a low dose. Why this retinavir is used as a booster drug? So, all we have seen that ritonavir can inhibit the both cytochrome P453A4 as well as P-glycoprotein. Thereby increase the bioavailability of the other drugs. And another important thing is that... The, among the other PI inhibitors, other protease inhibitors, the retinivir is having the potent inhibition on the CYP3A4, so it is highly suitable as the booster drug compared with the other protease inhibitors. So ritonavir can be both useful as in a direct antiretroviral agent as well as a booster drug, but nowadays it is more preferred as a booster drug and it is given along with the other protease inhibitors in order to increase their bioavailability. Advantages and limitations. So what are the advantages of using the ritonavir as a booster drug? As already we have seen, it increases the bioavailability of the other protease inhibitors. And because of the increase in the bioavailability, it may decrease the dose as well as the dosing frequency of the other protease inhibitors, which are given concomitantly along with the ritonavir. And because of the reduced dose and dosing frequency, the side effects can be minimized. So, these are the advantages of this uh, Ritonavir used as a booster drug when it is given with the other protease inhibitors. But one of the limitations is also there. As the Ritonavir is a potent CYP3A4 inhibitor, there is a chance of drug interactions which may be potential when used along with the Ritonavir. So, when it inhibits the CYP3A4, it inhibits the metabolism. So, it may lead to the toxicity of the other drugs, particularly the Potassium channel blockers like the amiodarone may increase the QT interval when they are given along with the aware.
2: So I showed you all that. Now I'm going to show you how they're not giving you anything new. They're just testing shit. So I'm going to take you to something called the Drug Information Portal. Um, it's a government site. Um, let me let me read off the website. It's um druginfo.nlm.nih.gov. This is where you can see drug information, right? Rondesivir is not on here, just letting you know. <laughs> so weird, right? The NIH wouldn't have its information. It's because it's not Rondesivir. That's just the name. I'm going to show you what they're actually giving people so you can see how they're testing things. Here we go. I'm going to show you. See, I knew going to school... For this time was important, right? Because I know it's like, just do your job. No, 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 no. I'm going to learn so I can teach people the right way.
1: Interchanging mind control. Let the revolution take its toll. If you could click the switch to open your third eye. See that we should never be afraid to die. Rise up and take the power back. It's time to, that the back has had a harness attack. We know that their time's coming to an end. We have to unify and watch the flag ascend. They will.